Welcome to Satya House Podcast. My name is Sinuita. And I'm Imani Shanklin Roberts. We desire to bring truth, culture, and practicality to esoteric spiritual concepts for everyday application. The seven primary chakras are energy centers located at the spine, lining up from the tailbone to the crown of the head. Each chakra or wheel offers us insight on the influence that the physical, emotional, and spiritual self has on the being so that we may cultivate the energy needed to find balance within each. This podcast is an opportunity for us to get curious, witness, and discuss those light and shadow aspects of our spirit. It will be an assessment of ourselves, using the chakras as an outline to move through the fullness of our identities. I've teamed up with my sister, Imani Shanklin Roberts, a woman who has fearlessly walked with me to those dark parts as I navigate. And I am so grateful to be here. Yours in truth and wellness. Satya House. The solar plexus is our seat of personal power, self-esteem, proactivity, and autonomy. With its element of fire, we are fueled to endure challenges in our lives to be sharpened and carry out our life's purpose. Power is one of the key components of the solar plexus. By seeing our own, we are able to move against the grain when necessary. We move beyond the instinctual root and sacral energies and cultivate the will. In today's episode, we explore power. What is it? Why is it essential? How is it cultivated? True power versus power over. How we move from struggle and opposition between dualities where there must be a winner involved, which creates separation. And we move towards synergy that is empowering to self and empowering to others. We understand that Without friction, there is no climb because it is friction that sparks the fire. We learn that power is not created from staying safe. Power comes from the willingness to leave the world of safety, to move forward into uncertainty because power like a muscle doesn't increase by non-doing. Power for me is, you know, bad bitch energy. Um, it is almighty and self-assuring. Uh, I feel energetic and confident in who I am, where I am, and what I am. It's also really a feeling in the belly. There's really no digestive issues. I'm eating my fiber. got the broccoli going, you know. <laughs> I'm also feeling internally light and externally in charge. I'm omnipotent. I have unlimited power. I'm able to do anything I want to do. Power for me is really self-acceptance. I know we spoke a lot about that um, with the sacral chakra and connecting to authenticity. But then with the solar plexus, it becomes a situation where you allow that authentic part of yourself to shine and be present in the world and to feel power around that, a power around your individuality and your uniqueness. Um, and you assert that. Um, so it's almost like that ladder that exists in the chakras moving from one thing and kind of amplifying it even more with the next energy center. So you're kind of shining that light like the sun. You're fueling your fire um, and you are a steady blaze. <laughs> um, so I was just thinking a lot about power and 
considering like what's going on today um, and what I'm watching, what I'm reading, you know, things I'm engaged in that really emit uh, kind of like big solar plexus energy. And um, I'm not sure if everyone's watching Love Calf Country, but if I you're am. not, <laughs> tune in. Yes. Tune in. It's, it's powerful. It's a must watch. It's a must watch for 2020. It's a must watch for where we are in our worlds um, independently and collectively. Um, but uh, episode seven, Hippolyta's episode, I Am, was, was a moment. Yeah, I feel like we all could relate to that episode in so many ways. Um, it was a situation where Hippolyta finds herself uh, moving through the portal. Yep. And she's in this white room. Yep. And one thing that really stood out to me was the woman, um, Beyonce, um, <laughs> with the big, huge afro. And she's just like this badass yeah, woman. Her right? chakras are aligned. She's with. aligned. She's a woman that is in alignment. She's calm. Hippolyta is like, what the fuck? What is going on? Where am I? And she repeats to Hippolyta, you are not in a prison. In a prison. And I kept thinking to myself, okay, then where where is she? And I wasn't going deeper mm. um, until Hippolyta started traveling to different scenes and different experiences. Um, but yeah, I think the first one might have been when she asked her, where does she want to be? Yeah. And then she found herself on stage with, with Josephine Baker, yeah. flapping away, doing on her flapper wave. Also someone who is very much so aligned, big sacral energy for Josephine Baker, but also so Big Plexus. sacral energy with <laughs> Josephine, right? So she's there with Josephine and Josephine is asking her these questions. And what it reveals is that Hippolyta is angry, totally. right? And one of the things that I speak a little bit about um, with anger is that it is a secondary emotion. Mm. And underneath anger is usually grief. So underneath anger, anger is something connected to the heart. And what it was, was that Hippolyta was grieving her most authentic self and the way she presented her authentic self in the world. And, you know, given that they are, you know, living in the past. I'm not sure if it's the 50s or the 60s, but she's living in a time where the world was shrinking Black women, Black people, black um, people but yeah. Black women. So she was accustomed to staying small. Totally. And there was a lot of anger around that. Um, so she finally spoke up and spoke about her anger. And then she continued to move through these different- To the next incarnation. Yeah, yeah. different scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the um, scenes that I really enjoyed was when she was at battle with the other black women. Yeah. Um, and just like kicking, kicking heads off. Totally. Um, and then just coming back to that reclamation of who she was. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really powerful. And just circling back to the whole, um, you are not in a prison. And it really speaking to us, like reclaiming who we are and what we want more than 
anything and understanding that even in our circumstances, we can claim it. And in order to activate it, in order to, you know, put action behind it, we have to feel it. Because you think about emotion, I, I feel like I've said this a thousand times, like emotion is just energy in motion, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to feel it and then activate it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, watching that episode and just to see her kind of move through her different iterations of self, you know, I think um, in her most powerful and kind of she in St. Louis as a mom, you know, and she's a wife to George and both of those roles can be um, understood as secondary to, hmm. you know, second to second to childbearing, second to being a partner, especially in the time, if we're seeding it, let's say in the fifties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where there's this very traditional view of family um, and within kind of the black uh, landscape, you know, there are these traditional like normative roles of masculine and feminine, masculine being these very powerful roles, feminine being second to that. A caretaker. Yeah, a caretaker. And so she she has strength, you know, and, you know, you spoke about her participating and kind of like being a warrior and then being kind of like her free independent woman with Josephine. Then she returned um, after like recognizing her power in those two places to being uh, George's wife, where she recognized that he didn't even see her in her power, you know? You know what I thought was really cool about what you just said? I feel like I heard her moving through the chakras. Mm. Identity root. Got you. Then she went to the Josephine Baker scene, sacral. which was sacral. Then she you went better. to the warrior, which was solar plexus, that anger, channel that anger, and back to her husband, which is the heart. Mm. Can I get an ashe? Can I get an ashe? (laughs) You might need to be invited in a writer's room, okay? They might have had somebody in there. I think somebody is tuned in (laughs) on that at Lovecraft Country. And that's why I'm always so drawn to every episode. If you, Imani has not seen the most recent episode, so I'm not going to spoil no, it for her. don't spoil it. But if you've seen this most this recent episode, episode yeah. y'all, <laughs> we're, we're in alignment, for real, with this solar plexus. And Lovecraft Country is just really onto something. Totally, totally. I mean, and and... I mean, we could spend a whole episode talking about our love for Lovecraft. This country. is officially the Lovecraft <laughs> Country podcast. <laughs> but I mean, but honestly, I think what is very true is like to consider yourself in a conversation of power um, with who you are as, you know, who you are in a disempowered place, right? Mm-hmm. And so her consideration of power was to be childless, to Mm. be this free floating um, woman, you know, with Josephine Baker on stage, you know, not even having a husband, to be free of all of these chains, quote unquote, Mm. you know, um, societal and social so that she can just be herself. Um, And then to be, you know, uprooting that, anger and then like to to step into power that also is a connection to whiteness you know Mm -hmm. it's this power but it is in relationship to being disempowered in that dynamic and then 
power and connected to her lover, who that's also a disempowering relationship because, you know, as it was unveiled, she thought he saw her and he didn't, you know, mm -hmm. and then she, she probably, you know, kind of stepped into it. And I think I've definitely done this is while I consider myself independently, this very few flowing woman, when I get into relationship, because what I know relationships to be is this dynamic of where I am looking to support and care for and to be secondary in the power dynamic, you Almost know? Almost like a self-sacrifice. Yeah, we're, to be self-sacrificial. And I think what is true is to kind of maintain that power throughout. What does it mean to maintain that power throughout, you know? And I think when she even came back as Hippolyta Discoverer, right? And she's now outside of heart and she left that relationship with George and she came back to Beyonce, you know, and and sh and then she got to name herself as Hippolyta Discoverer, and she's in somewhere that is unfathomable, like in a fantastical place beyond what she would ever know. Because I think our definitions of power are still in conversation with being disempowered, being mm. you know, being powerless, mm. and. I, 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 I would love to talk about conversation or I would love to talk about power without there being an eye of oppression, you know, like mm -hmm. as we talked about pleasure without it being associated with guilt, mm -hmm. you know, like what does it mean to talk about power freely? And, you know, and, and that's why I thought it was so important for us to bring up the whole Hippolyta discoverer thing. Totally. Because I, I think that is the only way to experience true power. Mm. Because as I mentioned earlier in the episode, um, power is not necessarily like power over other people. Totally. Because, you know, you think about politics, you even think about like the women's empowerment movement and mm. how we have these various circles and then people are hurt from them because they, it's just like, somebody just wants to be a leader. Totally. And that may be the extent of it. And if that's your thing, that's fair. But again, you have to really um, step into the role of a discoverer and do some self-exploring in order to see what true power means and looks like and feels like for you in order to activate it. It has nothing to do with your ranking. It has nothing to do with, um, you know, like you said, like feeling powerless. And sometimes I feel like it is that feeling of powerlessness, again, that friction that forces us to sit with ourselves totally. and explore because nobody wants to feel disempowered. No. You know what I mean? And it's not until you feel that like intense friction, you know, that you create that fire to burn away, you know, that feeling of disempowerment by learning yourself. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, when you were talking about kind of that friction and I think, you know, that push and pull of power and powerlessness, like it's that dichotomy and our consideration of power not being hierarchical, you know, like mm -hmm. power itself is just, um, you have power and everyone else in the room has power, you know, <laughs> like, and, and what ways can we all maintain power so we can sustain a collective power dynamic or not dynamic, but just a collective power force. Um, and I thought about uh, Paulo Freire's work, who is the pedagogy of the press. I'm, I'm good for a quotable. And um, he says, washing one's hands of conflict between the powerful and the powerless means to, the, to side with the powerful, not to be neutral. 
Hmm. So even the conception and understanding of power as we know it is not, you know, is not neutrality. It it is picking a side, you know, it's Mm -hmm. picking the side of being in a place of power, powerlessness. So we have to, I'm all about, you know, like debunking the definitions that we know to be true and like creating ones of our own. Right. I mean, for me, I see being powerful again, it's like moving up a ladder. Like you start with your own identity. Who am I? Mm -hmm. Right. And then you move to your feelings and the things that um, make you feel like you're connected to your most authentic self and your sacral center. And then in the solar plexus, you activate that and you step into the world, you know, as who you are completely. Totally. There's no greater power than that. There's no more true power than that. Totally. You know, I I feel like everything else is contrived. Totally. When you look at what you think is powerful, you can be fooling yourself, you know, because you can step into that role and it could totally be out of alignment with who you are at your, at the source of your being, you know? So um, that's how I look at power. Just like, again, like, how Hippolyta calls herself the discoverer. Like, I feel like that is the ultimate step in finding your power is just opening yourself to discovery. Totally. Naming yourself. Exactly. I think, I think the quotables, I think from that episode that is really important is that naming yourself. And I think you're speaking to that source, you know, is like being able to name yourself allows you to be in power, allows you to be in your own power. Um, And then creating your own definition speaks to that you are not in a prison, you know, like nothing that is given to you, nothing that we know to be true has to be yours. You don't have to attach this society's way of being or where you can, you know, like, or any rules given to you as fact, you know, like um, you can totally move through it with your source code and then make your own journey. Hmm. You know, and then like, where do you want to be is now that you're aligned with source, you know that these constructs don't need to be yours. Where are you going? You know? And I feel like artists particularly face this the most Mm. um, because naturally artists are already going against the grain um, in such a capitalistic society, having to fend for themselves and figure out a way to sustain given all that America is. Totally. Um, And yeah, I I feel like artists can stand to become extremely powerful if they just like really tap into that discoverer role. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think think we all can be. I think that speaks to even our journal question where we can talk more about what that means to step in our powers for ourselves, you know? Um, Right. And I'll I'll ask you this. Uh, This is our journal question that, you know, anyone could move through. But um, name a time where you've moved out of your sense of safety to cultivate empowerment. Mm. That's like the favorite interview question, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's it's true. We should be asking ourselves this. So, you know, I want to ask you this personally. Hmm. You want to ask me personal questions, huh? (laughs) Okay, I'll get personal. All right, so I would have to say more recently in my relationships, Mm. um, 
both intimate in a romantic way and intimate in a sisterhood way. Um, just speaking up mm -hmm. and not making myself so convenient mm. um, anymore or shrinking rather um, and just expressing what it is that I need. And from there, feeling empowered by speaking up alone and not necessarily relying on people to bend to my will or bend to my needs, but just feeling good about saying, okay, like I actualized myself by feeling what I felt, honoring what I felt and speaking up about what I felt and what I needed. Mm. Um, and of course, it's not always comfortable to do that because you want to remain in good graces with people. Gotcha. You don't want to do too much disrupting. But in that, you are abandoning yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so that is a more recent way that I've been able to do that. Um, and I think it's important, especially during a time like now where we're, you know, we're in a pandemic, we're spending a lot of time alone. Um, and we're really learning about, you know, ourselves and mm -hmm. what's important to us. Mm -hmm. So okay. how about you? <laughs> Tell me a time where you moved out of your own sense of safety to cultivate empowerment. Let's get personal. <laughs> um, well, presently, I have moved from New York City to D.C. <laughs> um, it is a temporary move, but um, I don't know if it's temporary. Honestly, when I got the option to work from home and like work from home was indefinite, I, that, that like lifted, you know, so much mm -hmm. of what I knew to be true of like working, right? Because there are people who work from home all the time. And so they can work from any place in the world. Like they are literally not bound to any place. Boundless. Boundlessness, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, when I'm, I was just like, you know, I could sustain this rent which is ridiculous because I live in New York, work from home and not be tied, not be cl in close proximity with really amazing friends and my family in DC just to be in New York, which is some semblance or essence of this woman I thought I wanted to be at some point, but no longer am right now, you know? And I, I didn't, for a while feel like New York was a place where I felt a lot of love from or really felt held by. Um, and, you know, this the ability from work from home really was like, do I want to renew my lease or should I just leave? And I left, you know, and that, you know, and I'm, I'm moving back home, you know, with my mother, which is also um, outside of my safety because I, a sense of safety and security because I've I've lived away from my mother for 10 years. You know, I've been able to kind of like create my own way of being since I left for college. Um, and now to be home and be underneath my mother's gaze again and to be, you know, closer to my siblings and I'm still the youngest. So I still have their kind of consideration of hierarchy, right, you know, um, as the youngest, but I think I truly am now having to um, cr create my own definitions of self and, and, and also like live by my own rules in very 
practical ways by not paying for rent that I don't need to be, you know, that I was drowning um, in and then, you know, living with my mom, which, you know, has its own things. But I, I too am, you know, stating my claim and speaking up and like setting boundaries so that I do have power in that space. Um, so I think it, I'm cultivating power by being able to be able f- also financially more secure because I don't have rent and I'm able to save a lot more, you know, so making practical decisions for my life um, that give me also a sense of boundlessness. Um, but I'm a little like groundless because I'm, I don't have a necessary like place that is mine. Um, but even that definition of what is mine is like, it doesn't have to be attached to apartment, mm. an apartment or, you know, things that we've said in our adult lives that we have, have to have, you know, in order to feel empowered. Like I feel very powerful um, at my mom's, you know, <laughs> I feel very powerful um, being able to say, I don't want to live in New York and fucking leave, you know, like right. I feel very powerful being able to tell my job, yep, I'm not going to stay in New York just because we're actually, you know, our job is in New York, but if I get to work from home, I could work from home anywhere in the world, right? you know? And so I'm going to be where I feel most safe and secure and empower, empowered. And, and that's DC for right now. Yeah, it's definitely power in being able to position yourself um, where you'd like to be or in what you'd like to do. Totally. I think a lot of us take that for granted, even something as simple as being able to move when you want. Totally. Um, yeah. So congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. I'm closer to you, boo. I mean, and that's my favorite part. I wasn't <laughs> going to say that, but you said it. So gave that. Yay that. All right. And we also have a practical application component to our podcast. Um, and here's what we want you to do. We want you to reflect. What would you do if fear was not a factor? Totally. What would you do if you can push past your fear and do one thing that may have challenged you or something that you know would take you to the next level in your own existence, not necessarily by society's gaze or anybody else's gaze. It could be anything, maybe like skydive. It could be, yeah, moving to another country, going to another country. What would you do? Yeah, booking a trip or even like sliding in somebody's DMs. Sliding them DMs. <laughs> sliding them DMs. Or bruh, you know, or bruh, you know, slide in them DMs or just tell someone you love them, you know, or give someone, you know, or pull up on somebody. Don't pull up on them because we don't, <laughs> we don't want you to have any restraining orders because of us. Pull, not pull up, not pull up to antagonize her in a, in a violent way, in a loving way. You know, like if you're trying to pull up and give somebody a hug. Stalk with love. <laughs> But yeah, what would you do if fear was not a factor? This is such a crucial question because it will reveal so much. And if you act on it, I guarantee you you will feel empowered. Definitely. Yeah. Beautiful. It was so great chatting with you today, Moni. Yay. I loved it. I love you. I appreciate this. I love you too. (laughs) 
Well, thank you all for tuning in and join us next time for the Heart Chakra episode of the Satya House podcast. In the meantime, be well. Peace. Peace. Until next time, yours in truth and wellness. Satya House.